Welcome, friends, to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm filmmaker James Bailey. And I'm writer Luke Elliott. So this week we are doing a From the Vault episode as we're taking the week off. We are releasing a previously unreleased to the main feed episode as a bonus episode covering The Exorcist 2. That's right. Uh, we figure it's approaching Halloween, so why not a scary bad movie? Scarily bad movie? Yeah. I mean, back-to-back bad movies, like we're going to... we, we got to... <laughs> introduce some quality to the feed here soon huh? i think i call this an a disastrous movie as well which is funny now we have we're gonna have back-to-back disasters on the feed um you know fantasy isn't the only one that can have some really bad movies made we also got an awful horror movie here <laughs> yeah which some sci-fi elements too got introduced into the exorcist and mike arns in previous guests i think he's come on multiple times was one of our earliest guests he came on for the thing and he recommended at one point that we watch this and i remember him being like it's you must do it and and then we went and did it and we were like why mike <laughs> i i think there are probably some things that were missing for like the hardcore exorcist fans but yeah i remember not really enjoying this i think we're we're perhaps extrapolating a little bit from what he actually said um, I believe he said just that before you watch Exorcist 3, you need to watch Exorcist 2, I think just to I get see. the context. And then I believe he said there was like one scary scene in it or something, which we talk mm-hmm. about in this bonus episode. So anyway, uh, definitely check that out. It's a, it's a fun episode where we're just kind of exploring one of the worst movies ever made. I think uh, this ranks among them from like official lists I've seen out there. Um, I also just wanted to say I have a short story that is now available in podcast form on the Reckoning podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. And it is a sci-fi story um, that I've talked about that is uh, in the magazine. But now, if you're a podcast listener, you can listen to me read it. And uh, I thought it turned out pretty good. So check that out if you're curious. Oh, we also wanted to talk about what we are going to be doing as our next official project on the feed. And that is going to be the Cabinet of Curiosities which is uh, going to be on Netflix, and it's coming out towards the end of the month. And our sort of Halloween special we're doing is just covering the five short stories that lent themselves to the five episodes that are adaptations. So we're going to cover five short stories in a single episode. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Two of them are H.P. Lovecraft stories. Uh, should be a spooky sort of Halloween-themed episode. Should be fun, I think. Yeah, it's a Guillermo del Toro project. So that was a huge reason why we wanted to tackle it. I love, we both love Guillermo del Toro and he's just a visionary horror icon at this point. So for him to come out with something right around Halloween, like in the fact that it is based on adaptations, we were like, how can we pass that up? Yeah, it should be fun. We will also cover the other three episodes that are not adaptations on uh, our Patreon uh, probably next month. So look for that. All right, well, I hope everyone's having a good October And uh, we will talk to you closer to Halloween. And now enjoy this uh, previous Patreon exclusive. Today we're talking about a movie. Yeah. It is is technically a movie. It's called The Exorcist to the Heretic. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we covered The Exorcist with Mike Arnzen yeah. probably about a year ago. And that was a lot of fun, fantastic horror film. Uh, I think in that episode, we asked if we could skip to, to Exorcist 3. And he said, no, we had to watch Exorcist 2. Uh, so I'm holding him partially responsible for, for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't, like, like he was right. Like, this is better than the original <laughs> in every way. The tension that it builds, mm. the, the nuance and the subtlety to it. 
Yeah, that's not what he said. <laughs> no, Got to clear his name a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean this. So this movie, uh, I had a I had a Twitter thread where I tried to sort of live tweet while I was watching it because I read some uh, some stuff beforehand. I was just like, oh, what am I getting into? Uh, Siskel, Gene Siskel of, of like Siskel and Ebert fame. Uh, yep. The worst motion picture I've seen in almost eight years on the job. So early on in his career. Um, you know, we have critics who say it's all too ludicrous to frighten. And the only time you're likely to hide your head will be in shame for watching it. Um, and I was shamed. <laughs> this felt like the kind of movie that, especially today, that the only reason to be watching this movie is because you have a podcast <laughs> or something like that. Like, or you have a passion for watching the worst, some of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, I, I mean, this is. The, I want to. I want to frame this for myself a little bit. Uh, I think it's good these kinds of movies exist, and I think they are a product of their time. Mm. Because without movies like this, you, I don't think you get the high highs that you get in some other movies. Okay. And like the the production, the pr- they put money into this movie. This was yeah, like the most I expensive was, yeah. movie that Warner Brothers put out at the time. It's this is a this is showing the folly of studios sometimes, right? And you need a movie like this to sort of shake things up and be like, oh fuck, like we can't just put it through the machine, spit it back yeah. out, and make money. Hey, that, like, that other thing was successful. Let's make a sequel. It doesn't matter if it's good. Right. Which clearly no one cared about this being good. <laughs> we don't need to understand why the original was successful or why it was you know, interesting or why people responded so well to it. Let's yeah. just make something that's scary and has exorcism elements in it. Right. Like it's, it's, It almost shows a complete lack of respect for horror as a genre. It's a bunch of people who didn't understand what made the first movie good and was just like, yeah, it'll just be another exorcist movie. Fine. Yeah. So I appreciate the movie for existing on that plane. And, and honestly, like there are some people within the, within the production of the movie that were sort of duped into it, which I found out about like Linda Blair being one of them specifically. Really? Um, yeah. A lot of the cast was completely against a sequel to the exorcist for a very long time. Um, William Peter Blatty and, and was obviously against it. William mm-hmm. Friedkin was against it. Uh, Linda Blair, a, a lot of people held out for a really long time. And then there was a script that came along that Linda Blair felt like had some some substance to it. And, you know, uh, Max von Sydow, like there's other people in this movie that were involved in the original. Yeah. And uh, but apparently it was so rewritten along the way and things were changed and things were just like on the day. It was just a chaotic set and a chaotic shoot in general. Um, and I think Linda, I feel bad for Linda Blair because this is like, you know, she was known as the exorcist girl. She was known mm-hmm. as the possessed kid. And now this was her chance to sort of show as she grew up a little bit. And it was sort of and it, it was interesting for me to see her growing up on screen. Mm. Um, not that I felt like she had a great performance here. And I think a lot of it had to do with what she was given to do. But like, you know, this could have been her stepping out moment where she was like, that was that was my myself as a child. And this is me like taking on serious acting. Uh, and I just feel I feel bad for her a little bit because she she said like this. It doesn't it doesn't even resemble what i was jumping on board for and at that point you're contractually obligated you've already signed on and you're just like well yeah gotta do it oh man uh i yeah i feel bad for her i mean i this movie made me angry um and one of the things that i think was obvious to me was they were trying to sexualize regan yeah or reagan Um, still don't know how to say that name. I love it. <laughs> that was, that's a through line from our from our uh, exercise. I, I can't stop. I can't. It's Reagan, but I can't stop saying Reagan for some reason. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, because it, it's like, yeah, it's like she's here to distance herself from this childhood performance and show what she, her chops are now as an adult. Um, I assume young adult. Um, I, I don't know what, what her. I think she's like 17, 17. 17, I believe. She yeah. was 17 in this movie. I think oh, so. that's even worse then because they yeah. were like blatantly sexualizing her and trying to say like, look how hot the exorcist girl is now. I mean, throughout it, it was like they, you know, clearly they were trying to go the other route, you know, um, which works directly counter to what I'm, uh, I'm sure Linda Blair was hoping to get out of the role. Exactly. So, yeah. That it's just one of many ways <laughs> this movie <laughs> screws up. I, you know what? I'd actually be curious to hear, like a brief plot synopsis because. I still don't really know what this movie was trying to be about and trying to have in its plot. And I and I feel like if someone were to like break it down and, tr- and try and suss it out, maybe it'll make more sense to me because I was just left fucking confused by the end okay. of this thing. Well, interview with John Borman from 2005. Here we go. Ready? He remarked, it all comes down to audience expectations. The film that I made, I saw as a kind of repose to the ugliness and darkness of the exorcist in 1973 i wanted a film about journeys that was positive and about good essentially and i think that audiences in hindsight were right i denied them what they wanted and they were pissed off about it quite rightly i knew i wasn't giving them what they wanted and it was really a foolish choice the film itself i think is an interesting one there's some good work in it but when they came to me with it i told john collie who was running warner brothers then that i didn't want it Look, I said, I have daughters. I don't want to make a film about torturing a child, which is how I saw the original film. But then I read a three-page treatment for a sequel written by a man named William Goodhart, and I was really intrigued by it because of it was about goodness. I saw it then as a chance to, to film a riposte to the first picture, but it had one of the more most disastrous openings ever. There were riots, and we recut the actual print in theaters, but it didn't help, of course, and I couldn't bear to talk about it or look at it for years. So I guess that's not really a synopsis as much as he was trying to make the opposite, the antithesis yeah. to the exorcist. Well, he made it in in at least one way in as far as quality. <laughs> yeah. If if the exorcist uh is a well-made, you know, regardless of what you if you like the exorcist, um I I think it's kind of in, inarguably a a well-made movie. Um, yep. and, and this is, it's shocking for the, the time too. That. that, that was the, that was the big thing, right? It was so shocking. Yeah. It was so offensive to some people and, and like specifically being tied to the church, those, those mm-hmm. people are going to respond very, you know, extremely yeah. when something like this is brought up and their religion is brought into a movie. So, uh, I think I honestly feel like John Borman, and I don't know that much. I know he was a Catholic, but I, I, I don't know if he was sort of saying like, Let's make the real. Let's make an exorcist movie that like shows Catholicism in a better light a little bit or yeah. something. Or I don't know. I guess, but like that, the movie doesn't do any of that. Not really. Right. Like it, I guess I can see it kind of trying to do that, but like it, it all gets so lost in this just just disastrous pile of garbage that makes no sense. It has multiple different. Um. I don't know, like uh, plot lines that's trying to execute simultaneously. And it, it seems to be of the opinion that if, as long as you just cut things together, that it's fine. It, you know what I mean? But like it, it ignores like the language of movies. Um, so it leaves you completely disoriented, um, which is it almost seems like a small thing to criticize when th- there's so much else going on wrong here. But 
there there is this bizarre uh, uh, disorientation that I kept getting where I, I didn't know when things were happening. And, and it, it seemed the movie kept, seemed to be saying these things are happening at the same time, but it didn't make any logical sense for them to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that sort of stuff, I feel like starts to be the first thing that gets thrown out the window when things aren't working right. They're yeah. like, let's just make it like somewhat make sense. And and honestly, like that, you know, they talk about it in every script writing class. They talk about it constantly. It, it's much better to have a simple story that people can follow along with and have it be sort of not quite as compelling as you would hope it to be. You would rather have that than have something that's pure chaos that people can't follow that's all convoluted, but there's a good story in it. Mm. You know, I think the simple thing for people to follow along with, because like you said, you 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 disengage from it. Yeah. You're not going to you're not going to want to stick around to see the great the great ending that you've written or something great that's there if it's too convoluted and you lose the the thread of what's going on, because it really did feel like they were just like they got on set each day and they were like, let's just do this. And then like when they got to the edit, they're like, wow, this stuff doesn't really cut together very well because we didn't follow our plan or whatever it was it just feels like yeah it feels like there was something wrong with the planning of it or i don't know things were changed along the way it's a weird like there's two movies kind of going on at the same time um and one's bad and one's awful like you know what i mean like it's, it's it's not like one really works but it seems like they had this idea for this movie where reagan is being um is like a patient for this like experimental treatment where they're going to be able to like go into her dreams and sort of relive the original traumas and try to figure out what happened because uh you know the psychiatrist thinks that it was you know medical and the priest is going to think that it's a possession and we're going to have some sort of combat of the wills of like was it science or was it and, and, and like all that seems to be what they were going for and at the start of the movie i was like okay this is what this movie is this is the plan we're going to have Pazuzu come into this this uh, new sort of almost sci-fi premise and get in there and fuck shit up and and, and I was like well it's probably going to be really stupid but it's going to be like a fun stupid because it's you know 80s horror actually 77 horror and I was like it's, it's probably gonna have some fun but somehow in the midst of all of that we get this entire thing in in Africa where they someone got obsessed with the idea of like making a locust movie is the only thing I could figure out. Yeah. They were like locusts like are plague. creepy, so let's like let's let's make a bunch of like POV locust camera. They, I guess they read about how Pazuzu is like this demon of the wind and sky and stuff, right. so they're like, oh, that's locusts. Um, and then they were like, yeah, how creepy would it be to just like see all these locusts all the time? Because there were so many shots and and scenes of just like looking at locusts. Um, and and it was like they were really. I don't know. I wasn't like affected by it. Like I didn't care. Like looking at a pile of locusts isn't scary to me. Maybe that mm-hmm. varies from person to person, but um, I guess it's probably because it's not something I have to deal with that much here. But um, I don't know, man. And then that just was the tip of the iceberg for the stuff in in, in Africa that just went so wild. Uh, so many logic problems. People like that whole like chasm thing that people were climbing up and down. I don't know what the fuck was going on with that. It seemed to be that that was the only way to get to that like town they went to, if I want to call it that, or village or whatever it was, uh, which made no sense. And then, oh my god, just you know, the locust suit. We got to talk about the locust. Yeah. <laughs> James Earl Jones, uh, uh, Oscar nominated James Earl Jones was in a locust suit. Oh my god, it was so yeah. What a weird sequence too. Um, I assume because I think 
Mike uh, Arnzen in our episode was saying something about there being like a really terrifying sequence or scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he's talking. <laughs> my get my I have a guess as to what that would be, and, and I think it was probably the nails, or the bed of nails walking scene, is my guess because it did it is viscerally upsetting to see that guy try and take a step and it have the nails just like punctures through his foot and then he falls face first towards a bed of nails that are like mm-hmm. super spaced out, really gross looking and jagged and incredibly sharp. And you you think he's about to have this horrific injury and then he like wakes up in a hospital where it's all a dream or something. I don't know cuz this movie is fucking weird, but that that moment is certainly a like lurch moment of like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be bad um so maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what he was or is there another scene that i mean it can't be the end? end right the end was just like i it no, couldn't have been the it can't end. be the yeah. end can't be the that's end. the only that's the only other part of of like what i would consider to be horror that happened like the rest of it was sort of um locusts like if you're like if you don't like bugs or something you'd probably be affected by that but yeah um I, the the Africa stuff was wild because we did talk about in the first Exorcist how incredibly racist they were, too. We we just I mean offensively bad. Well, the original Exorcist has these scenes that take place in the Middle East somewhere, right? And it's sort of like saying that like Pazuzu is like you know in some way attached to the the old what would be considered the old world like the mm-hmm. where the, all the things with the bible took place like a lot of a lot of that stuff happened there um and tying it there and then i feel like there's this sort of similar thing going on where we've seen it in multiple stories where like african culture is seen as like mystic or mm-hmm. or um, exotic you know, atta- close to the supernatural and mm-hmm. uh uh, and I think that that was the step that they made. They were like, well, there was a little bit of this with the Middle East. So let's just do that with sort of like uh, African culture. And then and then, yeah, yeah they went it, real yeah. far down there. Completely like, I was, fictionalized I was... version of Africa, too. Like this isn't a real place. And it was clearly like bizarre sets. Um, I don't even think the geography lines up with anywhere that I know of in Africa, at least. But yeah, I'm no expert. Yeah. But I mean, it was. It, it looked awful every every time they were in Africa. It looked awful, and and again, it just made no sense. All of a sudden, uh, what's his name? Bor- Borman? Uh, no, sorry, Burton. Borman's the filmmaker. Richard Burton, yes. uh, who plays uh, Father Lamont, um, who by the way, I just thought was as boring as boring can get to watch on screen. <laughs> Unread the unreal. He, Linda Blair said that in in uh, there were some scenes where he was just reading off cue cards. I believe it, man. It looked like it was the flattest performance. He didn't give a shit. Um, and yeah, there, there there was a part where he goes to Africa for no discernible reason and only about half, you know, it's a long sequence. Only towards the end of the sequence do we get any idea of why he's even there, um, which is still, I, I guess, a bit lost on me. Just to like do battle with Pazuzu or learn more about Pazuzu. I don't know. He's retracing Max von Sydow's steps in some way that he saw in a dream again yeah. i can't make sense of this movie James. a lot of Help it's me so out. interesting it's so interesting because a lot of it feels like they're like let's do a new thing let's explore linda blair's character uh reagan let's explore reagan and then let's also at the same time uh explore pazuzu because pazuzu was the demon and everybody became fascinated with pazuzu and i'm sure people were talking about pazuzu and yeah. like oh my god have you read into him he's so this wind demon so they took those two things and then they were like but we don't actually want to do anything different we just want to go and like i, I actually wrote down this 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 thing i think is kind of clever this movie uh visually 
shows us what it's doing to the original, right? They take a car and they it's a car crash straight into the steps of the original <laughs> Exorcist right at the house. And then the yeah. house falls apart. They destroy it's the house. Compl- they destroy, they destroy the original by just by just like completely missing the point. But anyway, they uh, yeah, no, they, maybe that's then, what he was trying to do. Like, he, it seems like he was not a fan of the original movie, which yeah, uh, that's your first mistake. Don't bring someone in and make a sequel to a movie they didn't like. Yeah, so apparently they offered the original to Borman, but he turned it down because he felt like it was too graphic and everything. Um, and then eventually this movie was offered to Stanley Kubrick. And uh, what Exorcist he tur- 2 was? Exorcist 2 was, oh yeah. And he turned it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. he turned it down. And then when John Borman accepted it, uh, Kubrick warned him that the only way to, to the only way a sequel to The Exorcist would succeed is if it was more graphic and horrific than the original. Because I'm assuming Borman was like saying, like, I don't want it. I want it to. He uh, the studio was seeking and he was seeking to try to make it a PG film. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So they were really pushing to like kind of have it be like scary to them without it being any sort of gore or like, you know, sexualization or like, you know, graphic things happening uh just wild yeah oh man oh i gotta talk about this though uh because william william peter blatty and friedkin have talked about the movie the second film at this point uh william friedkin recalled seeing the film he says i was at technicolor and a guy said we just finished a print of exorcist 2 do you want to have a look and i looked at an (laughs) i looked at half an hour of it and i thought it was as dumb as seeing a traffic accident in the street it was horrible it was just a stupid mess made by a dumb guy, John Borman by name, <laughs> somebody who should be nameless, but in this case should be named. Uh, a horrible picture. Friedkin later stated that this sequel diminished the value of the original and called it one of the worst films I've ever seen. He later added that film was made by a demented mind. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I mean, so that was one of the things I was going to say. The... the one of the things I think that makes people hate this movie so much is that love for the original. Like, you're, 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 it's like, how often, how many other times have we seen like uh, an absolute beloved classic movie of of you know in cinema history get like a big budget, you know, ostensibly serious sequel made that is 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 an absolute travesty that is trying to undercut the original that is like deliberately damaging the legacy of the original you know this is this wasn't like a straight to video quiet release that was like not even really officially a sequel this was an official sequel i want to say this movie made the most of any exorcist film or 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 maybe it was like i think that's what it was it doesn't surprise me because i mean i mean maybe a little bit but like what we what we've talked about so many times like things follow on the success of the original so often exactly i mean that's why jaws 2 was so good right or uh or did so well not was so good we we also had problems with that one but not i mean it looks like fucking great compared to this movie yeah, and that's uh, why studios get the wrong idea, right? They're like, it doesn't matter. If we yeah. put the name on it and put something out, it's going to make money. And it's not always the case, yeah. but it's unfortunate that it does. it is a thing because it leads to stuff like this coming out. It happens, it happens uh, in books all the time. Like, you know, yeah. usually whatever the like most critically acclaimed beloved uh, uh, book entry will be followed up by the one that sells the most opening week copies because that's right. all the excitement carries over. There were legitimate at the first screening. There were legitimate uh, people screaming at the screen, throwing throwing food at the screen and stuff. Wow! Like immediate visceral reactions from people. I actually have a quote. Uh, this is this is 
Unbelievable. William Friedkin, director of the first film, mm-hmm. told a story recalled by a Warner Brothers executive at Chicago Critics Film Festival in April 2013. Studio heads came to the sneak preview of Exorcist 2 in a limo and told the drivers to get go get fast food. They entered the auditorium and within 10 minutes of the into the film, an audience member stood up, glanced into the crowd and proclaimed, the people who made this piece of shit are in this room. 10 or 12 other audience members gathered to find the executives. The heads rushed out of the theater and realized that there were no cars to make their escape. They were subsequently chased down the street by a group of angry audience members. <laughs> this, I feel like that can't be true, but I love it. <laughs> I mean, William Friedkin said it at a, at a film festival in 2013. He, like, say, he said he heard about it, right? Or something. I mean, but yeah, uh, man. I, I, I want it to be true, kind of. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, that's that's crazy to think like right away. And I also was reading that a lot of audience, the the, the switch, like the the switch that was flipped was when the hypnosis machine was introduced. Yeah. That's when people were just like, no fucking way that this is happening right now. And honestly, that was a that was a turning point for me in the movie. As yeah. Well. well, and also just an incredibly difficult scene to watch. They make you watch a flashing light for like 10 straight minutes of just a bright flashing light on screen. I was like, this has got to be like a seizure warning for people or it should be, you know? Um, and, and, and even just, even not that, it's just unpleasant to look at. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's weird though, because like one part of me kind of likes a weird sci-fi premise, but it just doesn't belong in this story. So it's just a, it's I, just I a, hated it's the just idea, a bad yeah. mashup, you know, idea. And again, even, even so, the idea of where that was going to go was not nearly, it didn't nearly prepare me for just how bad things were going to get. Yeah. I, when it came out, I, I, I found myself giving them the benefit of the doubt for a moment and being like, okay, 1977, we'll give it, you know, maybe, maybe people were super into hypnosis around this time. And I was thinking about it. And then I was just like, as the scenes played out, I was like, this sucks so bad. This is such a bad way to go about like trying to relive the trauma and stuff. Like yeah. so many other ways you could do that. And it'd be so much more interesting. Um, yeah. It, it just was really, really rough. It, the whole the whole thing made no sense to me. Like, I, at one point in the movie, I thought, okay, Re- Reagan is in this institution and has been institutionalized and is, like, having these dreams about living in this swanky-ass New York apartment. Um, and that's the only explanation because what is, like... I mean, I guess her mother was, like, a famous star, so the idea is there's just a huge amount of wealth there. But... Why she kept coming back and and, and submitting, uh, you know, to these these experimental treatments, it just was never clear to me. And so I, I had this whole like theory about what was going on. Of course, none of that ends up being true. It, it apparently is all just like, nope, straightforward. You know, this is all as it seems, I guess. Um, so I don't know, man. <sighs> okay. The, <laughs> um, there's a part in the movie where there's a fire smoldering in the basement <laughs> and he, he, he's like, I got to go find it. It's in this picture that Reagan drew. And then he finds a box that is like smoking. And then what does he do? <laughs> he kicks over the box, spills out the fire, grabs a, what was it? A fucking uh, crutch and starts like scattering the flames with a crutch, just slamming it down into it, doing nothing, creates an immense fire that ends up having to have the whole building evacuated. It was the most, like one of the silliest sequences I've ever seen. Like it just made no sense. And again, it's like 
it's almost a stupid thing to argue about or to like quibble about, but it's just one of many things that upset me so much about this movie. It just even little scenes like that, it can't behave in a way that is logical to the human experience. Yeah. I, I something we haven't even mentioned yet that she plays a part in this is Louise Fletcher is in this film and this directly follows one flew over the cuckoo's nest nurse yeah. ratchet nurse ratchet it, it yeah. play, is in this and like this is the next film that she did after one flew oh really over the i was nest. wondering where yeah. it fell on the timeline yeah I, I thought she was like one of the few people who seemed to like care a little bit about the performance she was giving mm-hmm. um it just just the material was nothing you know but um yeah her 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 journey there's that a point there's some point where they're like going back to the old house and they're they're seem to be kind of racing. There's two groups. There's Reagan and uh, uh, Father Lamont, and then there's uh, Tusk Tusker Tuscan, um, Tuscan and um, Sharon um, are mm-hmm. going in the other group. And I, okay, everything about this doesn't make sense. So I thought that they were trying to say that Father Lamont couldn't see Reagan anymore. Because there was a whole part where, like, she was talking to him and, like, jumping around in his face and he was not reacting. And I was like, yeah. is she a figment of his imagination because they were just hooked up to the dream machine? I just thought he was fully possessed. I, I, I was fully like, possessed? oh, he's fully been possessed. But what is the explanation of why he was acting that yeah. way? Eventually, he just starts talking to her when they're on the train. And I was like, okay. There so. is none. <laughs> he was yeah. just being fucking weird? I don't know. Yeah. And then, yeah, that that was the whole the whole thing i had with the timelines was was most egregious at well one of the most egregious was at this part where um for some reason they decided that it was important for dr tuscan to get flagged down by an injured person on the side of the highway she pulls over the car gets out to help the man and um uh, uh rachel who she's with it's rachel right uh sorry sharon who she's with says well i guess reagan can wait and I was like, oh, yeah. okay, so so she's going to be delayed, and that's going to have some sort of significance. At the same time all this is happening, we're, we're showing Reagan and, and, and uh, Father Lamont on the train talking to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Immediately, the next cut back we get is them on the plane, and they're experiencing turbulence. And then the next cut back, we get their landing in Washington. All this time, the things that it's intercutting with is the same conversation between Lamont and Reagan on the train. So it seems to to imply that during the course of this conversation, they're able to pull over and stop somebody and talk to somebody, miss their flight, somehow make another flight and arrive in Washington. And over the course of what, five, ten minutes? Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. It makes no sense. And the whole point of like having someone get delayed is completely lost when you edit it together like this. Like, why? Why even bother? I I don't know. I couldn't tell you. (laughs) explain it to me james uh, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me either is uh, no you have to explain to me you have to defend the movie making here what has happened i can't i can't do it <laughs> i mean i just think mistakes were made i think everybody realizes that at this point everybody involved in it had said that it was you know a mistake and one of the biggest disappointments of their career and all that so i if i had to guess like i, I already did speculate but if i had to guess i think it's just a lack of planning or severe studio uh meddling like i it's like otherwise i literally don't know how you can't have the footage to edit together well it's almost like they didn't have a script in place that that was actually if you start at the top and then you and then i'm sure the way it was 
you know, the people that was hired, um, the people that were hired, if you begin with someone who doesn't like the work, the work they're doing, doesn't care about the original movie, doesn't care about the material, then he's going to surround himself with people who are just going to be there to get the shit done. Cause like clearly the care wasn't there. And so, yeah, you, you're bringing in people who are just doing subpar work. And then the person who's checked, like looking at that work and deciding whether or not it's good enough to go into the film is going to say, yeah, fine. It's okay. Cause they don't care. Like clearly everybody was just there to collect a check. Um, yeah. I mean, it's literally been people. Some people have actually said that that they were there to collect a check. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it shows in the performances. Like, uh, for for many of the many of the performances are just people collecting checks. Max von Sydow, yeah. uh, he is not on screen very much. I hope he got a large check. But for, oh for my god, the the difference in the amount of shit that he gives in the performance here versus the you know that like, he clearly yeah. doesn't care about this movie. He knows yep. what this movie is. He, yeah. he, I feel like he gave one take for like everything he's in at maybe yeah, I, two. <laughs> what, I, I just hope what happened was he made a ton of money based on the performance of the first movie. Uh, like, I just really hope that that's the case. A couple of last minute things. Uh, one of the co-producers of the film, Richard Led- Lederer, uh, said that originally the sequel was to be uh, conceived as a low budget affair. Um, they wanted to do it for uh, using unused footage from the original, have a priest investigate, use un- unused angles, and then they wanted to make it for about $3 million. Um, and, and the producer admits it's a cynical approach to movie making, I'll admit, but that was the start. And then uh, the movie balloons in production. The production was refused permission to film at any at just about every location they asked for, including the house from the first film leading to them having to create recreate everything on the studio backlot and inflating the $9 million budget all the way up to $14 million. Jesus. So what was meant to be a, a small sequel. And I wonder if they were being refused because so they knew how terrible it was going to be or if it was people going like, oh, I don't want that spooky exorcist I, shit. I, yeah. I think it was a reaction to the first film. It, it Maybe a mix of both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, either way, that's yeah, that's that's not going to lead to anything good. Wow, just what a disaster! Uh, you know, it is it is interesting to know about, and in, in as far and and here's the other thing: if you're if you're creative out there, um, I, I don't know, take heart, I guess, that there's shit like this being made. So the thing that you wrote probably isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I you know what's yeah. funny about all of this is that like I went into the movie because I saw your tweets before I started watching the movie, which was a fun journey for me. Like I said, mm. uh, in the tweet, um. I went in being like, how bad could it possibly be? I'm like, we'll we'll see about that. Like, I'll I'll get in. And, I, and like, that's why I said, like, I found myself sort of like buying in a little bit and was like, okay, it's fun to be back in this world a little bit. Let's see what they can we can create here. And then Are that we? then that hypnosis machine <laughs> yeah. po- drops down on the table and they start using it. And that was the turning point for me where I was just like, but I, th- and th- that leads me to my point. I sort of enjoyed watching this and I, I hate not that I hate I don't love the idea of people being like I watch bad movies because it's fun because I, I think that there is something fun to it but I also think that there's like it's also become like a thing to, unto itself like the whole Sharknado thing making 10 of them and like yeah. they just like that that's not very fun to me but a movie that did try like these people tried and it's at a time where like they're trying to make money like, so the distinction you're making is is between people who are deliberately making bad films for a bad film audience versus people who are trying ostensibly to make a successful film maybe they weren't trying to make a great film but they were trying to make a successful like 
decent film and just fails so spectacularly. Yeah, it is almost a different category of movie, right? There's a distinction there to be made, but I feel like if you say I like watching bad movies, most people immediately jump to like Me Too or Sharknado kind of stuff. So maybe I don't uh, know. I think there is a there is a group of people who like watching these sort of like just awful, you know, outings from from days gone past. Yeah, I'm never going to watch it again, but it's nice to have seen it and experienced it. I can't imagine devoting any more time to this than we are. We're going to as soon as we stop recording here. It's over. <laughs> it's just delete deleted from my brain. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it, I don't regret having seen it, but it is it's the kind of movie that I know I, I only watch this because I have a podcast and we're we're going to watch, you know, we're, we're kind of trying trying to be completionist. You know, that's, that's another thought I had. It's kind of like trying to platinum the Pazuzu trophy. It's like, OK, yeah. so if you want to yeah. be a completionist, then this is an important step. But like, I don't care about that. <laughs> I'm not someone yeah. who get platinums a lot of games. So I typically I'm like, oh, no, 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 that I'll skip over that shit. I don't care. Um, yeah. I don't care about completing it. But, um, you know, I'm a, I guess I'm one step closer now after doing this. Yeah. Well, we're going to cover The Exorcist 3, I assume, at some point. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it is based off of a Blatty novel. So it's got that going for it. We could we could actually do a, a, a real coverage of it. Um, but God, I can't you know, I can't believe they decided to call it Exorcist 3. Because that immediately acknowledges the existence of this film, which yeah, seems like a bad decision. Just call it Exorcist Two, or or something, or or just a different Exorcist. Just call it the Exorcist something colon something. Yeah, yeah. which people eventually realized they could do. Uh, yeah, maybe in, this was before that was a thing. Yeah. yeah, I will say they waited like because of this movie and the backlash. I think they waited like fifteen years or something to make the third one. Mm, okay. I don't know, man. It, it 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 still feels like a uh, a property that just needs to be well a, a single entity. Like it, I mean, it already is too because it's a book and a movie. But like, it was such a distillation of a particular fear and a particular moment. Um, and to to keep trying to capitalize on it with subsequent uh films that are are, are just poor imitations, just yeah, it just seems like a bad idea. I will, I will give them the there was a resurgence in exorcist stuff like the re- exorcism of Emily Rose is mm-hmm. like I know it's not directly connected but there was some of like in the early 2000s and into the 2000s there was like I mean um, it's like a genre of horror movie exorcist movies right, now at this I, point I think yeah. there is quite a few of them yeah I mean that's clearly and that's all about the original this is the kind of movie that like if you're a big fan of the original people are going to probably warn you Unless they're, you know, sadists like Mike Arnson, they're going to warn you not to watch this <laughs> because yeah. it's going to it, it, it tarnishes the original film. Uh, mm, I see. I don't let movies do that, but I know what you mean. Like it just like in terms of like the reputation yeah. by saying like, do you do you love the Exorcist movie? It doesn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't really. I I agree. But like it tries to. It tries to. It really wants they to. They slammed a car into the iconic moment where, where Max von Sydow yeah. is standing outside the window with the light, you know, coming in, shining out at him. That, that like, iconic scenery yeah. is smashed through with a car. So, like... I wasn't even sure that was happening at the same time as the shit that was happening inside the house until halfway through that scene. Because it seemed yeah. to have no relation to one another. Like, there's a burning car that is smashed into the front of the house, yet the people inside have no idea that it's happening. And then the house starts ripping apart, but we don't see what that looks like from the outside for a long time. And and finally, at some point, I was like, oh, they are at the same location, because I wasn't even sure. 
for for half of it. It was wild. <laughs> and then yeah, That's like awesome. there's two Reagans. Uh, fucking Lamont rips the heart out of one of them as the whole house collapses into itself, like poltergeist or something. And then they're left standing in this like ray of like beautiful morning sunshine. And then they. Reagan and Lamont walk off together like they're fucking romantic love interests with each other. Like I don't, it didn't make any sense. What was that? Yeah, I, I don't know. And then the Again. second they walk away, a hundred people show up to ask what what happened. Like the the crowd is you know flooded with people. the transition was wild. I actually noticed that that there was like this like that we just did like a pan to show behind um the doctor. And just like ambulances, everybody's like right behind. <laughs> all the neighbors come out, all the ambulances, yeah, all the police. After they just had like a weird, slow, yeah, like scene because Lamont walks over and talks to her, and they're and the burnt uh, uh, woman like just slumps over, and I guess is dead. <laughs> so rough. <laughs> it looks so bad. Oh, man. Anyway, if you didn't ever see this movie, I guess count yourself lucky. If you have seen it, then. Um, yeah, we share your misery, and that's probably why you're listening yeah. to this. <laughs> something something I don't want to get into because we're wrapping up here is just that Martin Scorsese was one of the people who liked this movie when it came out. So look into that yeah. if you want. If you, uh, like you know what that tells that. me? That shows me that like everybody's human. I, there's something there's something about this movie that he liked. You know, like he he, he probably liked the idea yeah. of a, of a hypnosis machine. I mean, look at Shutter Island he made later. Uh, <laughs> he probably liked the idea of like, oh, this could have been like a fun idea, and maybe he just like got obsessed with like that was a fun idea and then like that made him like the movie more or enough i do know that like he's know. catholic and i think i think that had something to do with oh, it i've yeah. read some stuff a little bit about it so like he's catholic and he had some catholic guilt and that's what he liked about the first one and then i think he liked how this was somewhat playing with catholicism in a different way yeah. but and, and, and who knows like, he maybe he knows the guy who made it you know there, there's things that can happen when you get filmmakers involved right yeah exactly so and yeah everyone's fallible i think martin scorsese's wrong here and you know that's <laughs> blasphemy in filmmaking so uh but yeah. at the end of the day like i i do like the idea of finding something in a movie to to at least engage with whether it's good or bad if you like it or not i can usually find things to like um and there's plenty of things that there this could have been you know i think the idea of a worst movie of all time is interesting because this movie could have literally been you know poorly executed it could have been like the crew didn't know what they were doing and the shaky like they don't know how to they're bumping the camera in the middle of shots and stuff like it was professionally made so it's not the worst movie know, of all time i i I'm not, I, I don't know this movie was incredibly poorly made to me it was very bad but are you like like i like i've seen student think, films think about worse, the like, way that think about it the way it looked when that guy fell down the fucking chasm the, yeah. Do you remember how that was shot? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's just he's flailing around, and then he's like, it's like a fucking weird like doll or something. I don't even know what it is. It looks yeah. so bad. I'd say the worst, the worst large budget like studio film of all time potentially. I don't know. I haven't seen that Planet Nine or whatever movie people talk about. Ed Wood movie that apparently is one of the other top ones, but this feels like a, a contender for sure yeah it's bad uh, for sure anyway i hold you i hold you accountable for it. it's still still better than the first movie like i said at the beginning <laughs> yeah um what is it that was an experience and uh, i'm glad uh, i have it i guess now and and if somebody asked me about the exorcist too i can tell them uh martin scorsese likes it but i don't yeah well we hope you enjoy us our pain you know maybe there's something enjoyable there <laughs> um and until next time thanks for listening